0: Um, let's jump back into our sermon series this morning back to the future and today is part four it's give it away and so we'll get to that here in just a moment but you if you've been with us over the past few weeks we've been in this series and we're hoping you're seeing that life is connected you know if i could go back i would change some things that would definitely impact my future and probably your future for the better isn't that the truth yes right But we can start right now to begin to secure a great future for what God has for us and what he's intended for us. So week one we covered, I called it the wonder years. If you ever grew up watching the show, the wonder years, hilarious show. It was a young man trying to find himself and it was the culture trying to label him for who he should be, right? Now look, the culture wants to name us and we discovered this, but there's only one who has the right to name us. And that's Jesus, the one who created us, and he's got a name for us. If you weren't here that week, go back and listen to the message. Week two, we covered the single life, which was get out of debt, stay out of bed, and clean out your closet. And we definitely meant what we said there, right? And so if you weren't a part of the service or you didn't hear that sermon, go back. Or if you have children that are living the single life right now, say, hey, there's a message for you. Go to harvestchristianfellowship.org. And pull up this message, the single life. And then, week three, we talked about the double life, right? When we get married, the married life. And couples that pray together, we learn stay together. That it's not couples that just come to church. The odds are pretty much the same as it is in the culture. I mean, 50-50 chance that you'll make it. But couples that pray together, one in 10,000 get divorced. Now, that's incredible. When you call upon the one who, watch instituted marriage hey there's a lot of things out there trying to redefine marriage but here's the truth the one that created marriage is the one who will sustain your marriage so call upon his name don't be afraid to do that together all right and then today we're going to be talking about legacy that that how we should leave a legacy how to give it away this is starting to become important in my life i did a funeral a couple of weeks ago I, I told you about our associate pastor at Woolworth. He just uh, at a at a uh a church party and just falls over and dies so i'd hired him a uh, great man of the lord just loved this guy really hard on me there for three or four days i go back to wolfert to do the funeral and when i and when i get there it's just a packed house already i mean i'm there 45 minutes early and it is just packed and I walk in and people are greeting and they're like curtis what happened to you curtis what is wrong is that really you is that really your hair I mean, I got people rubbing my hair everywhere I go because some of them hadn't seen me in a few years and didn't realize my hair has grayed out. And, and when, it, when I left there five years ago, right, I didn't have a gray hair one. <clears throat> so, yeah, I get to Amarillo, Texas, and you guys about kill me. Right? That was my only excuse. I didn't know what to tell them. I was like, hey, yeah, it really is me. Yeah, this is really my hair. No, you color your hair. I had one guy just razzing me about coloring my hair. I'm like, no, this is me. This is who I am. One of two things happened. Either Amarillo made me old, or I've become very wise by serving <laughs> Amarillo, Texas. So I choose to go with the second, right? So we've got to start thinking about legacy things that we're going to leave behind. Because it's not what you get in life that makes the difference. It's basically what you give in life that's going to make the difference. This is, this is where we are today. You know, I, y'all see me carry this thing around. Have you seen it? If you see me get here uh, during the week, I always have this bag with me. Now, I've gone through two or three of these bags, but I always have this bag. It's funny. Some people think, honestly, that I'm Gabriel, that my trumpet's in there. And I'm going to blow it one day. But let me just tell you, I'm not, because I would have already blown it, (laughs) all right? I've blown it in other ways, but not that way. Uh, So, here we are. What do I carry in this treasure chest? Lunch. It's not enough, Joe Adams. <laughs> so, so when we look at this, um, I just have a lot of unique things. I always have this with me. It's, it goes with me everywhere I go. It's just kind of an attachment to me. It's, it's kind of who I am. I keep a lot of cool things in here, but today I stacked it full of a lot of cool things, a lot of cool memories that I kind of want to share and show with you. I, I, you've heard me tell the story about my parents who one time I, I really fell into depression. I mean, here I am I'm in HUD housing. Uh, I'm back in Texas, I don't know what to do, and, and uh, I'm working, but <laughs> I got furloughed. I mean, just a number of things were not going right in my life, and so I decided I'm moving back to Arizona, uh, I'm going to finish there, my school, I'm just going back to the military anyway, none of it makes any difference, and my mother came, and my dad, and they sat down on my bed, and you need to know, from the time I was about 13, my parents really, um, they just corrected me and gave me direction. But as far as, you know, being on my own, they let me be on my own pretty much. I had a full-time job from 13 on and and just worked, and this is what I did, and this is where I spent my money, and this is how much I saved, and they just pretty much let me go. So they really hadn't spoken into my life in this way in many years, and I told you that my mother and dad came that particular time in my life, sat down on my bed in my apartment, and they said, hey, we just want to give you something. And we believe that if you'll start doing this every day, it'll make a difference in your life. And it was a plaque that said, yes, Lord, and it's by my mirror, and here's that plaque. It's one of the treasures that I keep in my treasure chest, right? It's something they gave to me that I'll pass on one day. Other things that, are, that I threw in here, uh, along comes Allison, and, and there's this... this album and there we have several albums but believe it or not bill dubose is in this album and his hair is solid black and it's solid white today anyhow tell him i said that but geez i mean uh, pictures of my bride in here and all this i mean she's just beautiful and there's wink you know and he's got a smile and his hair is still the same color it hasn't gone back wink uh you know and here's pete who was in my y'all y'all met pete two or three weeks ago our missionary over in indonesia and here's his picture anyway all kinds of things in here i i had that in there i my son likes likes this he keeps this in his room this right here is a yeah don't worry if it were red scared me too allison but the truth is if you uh you can do a lot of things with this because if it's blue it means it's a dummy round this will not go off okay if it were red don't throw it around this was interesting a friend of mine in the air force when i was in the army we were doing some work together and he actually worked on the warthogs and if you know anything about a warthog it made a huge difference over in the gulf and uh this was fired out of the war This this 30 millimeter right here and so wade likes to keep this in his room i've had it for years that man gave it to me and i remember it this is kind of an interesting thing that's in here um this is uh, operation desert storm bravo troop quarter cav, uh cav um apo anyway that's uh this was my battle buddy in the army he was in the second tank to cross the iraqi border he was a cab scout and this is a letter from him before he left and so i've kept this for years i kept this actually in my bible for years and then uh i threw this in there y'all like this um this was actually a shed that we found at our house but it it reminded me of something i actually went out to get the antlers that i shot this this deer this past year because uh but they they still need to sit out a little bit longer um but this reminds me of, of a great hunting trip with my kids this year when all four of them, including Allison, so there were six of us in a little bitty hunting blind, and uh, we were. I thought there is no way with all this noise in this blind that we will ever see anything. Overseeing, overlooking a wheat pasture, and I'll be, if we didn't shoot a deer uh, that day, saw how good of a shot I am, church. This this is an incredible story in itself because when I think of that, I think, I told my kids, this particular rifle, I said, this rifle doesn't miss. This one won't miss. I got other rifles that'll miss. This rifle will not miss. And so I'm telling them this, and I start blowing on this deer call, and I'll be, if a deer doesn't show up, at least probably a half mile away. I'm looking through the binoculars, and I see it on the edge. The only way you could see it. And I watch this thing, and I start grunting and calling. Of course, I don't think he can hear me, and I'm just messing around with the kids. There really is one. They're like, there's nothing out there. There's This thing comes on a beeline right for us. And I'm watching through my scope now, and I get him in the scope. Well, I say, here in a minute, he's going to hit a rise, and you're going to see him come up. Sure enough, he hits this rise. He's out there probably a couple hundred yards. And I said, okay, y'all cover your ears. I'm about to can him. So I shoot, and this thing takes off running. I mean, in a dead run. And my kids are like, Dad, you said you never missed. You never missed. Why? You know, and they're rising me, and I'm like, wait, grab that other window. Open that window. I'm swinging around. Y'all duck. So they swung around. <laughs> this thing's running. He stops. He looks at me. I shoot again, and he drops. So uh, we had some good eating. And I won't go on to tell you where I shot him the second time. I did hit him the first time right where I was aiming. I don't know what happened. He was just a tough deer. But we've got memories, we've got traditions, we've got establishment, we've got all kinds of things in this bag. There there are all kinds of things that they're going to remember that they'll pass on from generation to generation. And each one of us really should live our lives looking to the future and what impacts us that is for the kingdom of God. We should be willing to step up and impact others for the kingdom of God. Right? This is my trunk. It's full of treasure. And I have several other treasures at the house. And there's there's things, as a matter of fact, I keep a a notebook similar to this one. The letters that I've written to my children in the past, I usually make a copy and put it in that notebook just to have them all together in one notebook. I started to bring it, but I'm not old enough yet. Still passing that stuff on, right? But I want you to listen to me today. If you're 40 years old or older, this message is for you. If you're 39 and younger, listen anyway, okay? Because I'm always aware today of the shortness of my time here and how important it is to be intentional in the giving away of the treasures that you have to others. It's so important. I mean, we just saw a video on the children, the next generation coming up, and yeah, we're talking about finances. Give to that. If you're 40 years old, God wants you to know something. He is not done with you yet. I've had the privilege to do four funerals and a wedding in the past four weeks. And one thing I know for some of you, life is before you. But watch, for others of us, more life is behind us than what's before us, and that is a sobering thought. You just wake up one day and you go, what happened? Jeez, am i really this old right so here's the deal what we do today will never be measured by how much we get it will be measured by how much we gave away and that's what's important i want you to know something if you've got gray hair hair this morning you are the hope for the future we'll preach a camp here in a couple weeks and uh, no one on the harvest staff is going to stand up there and say hey kids you're the future you're the hope for america you're the hope for all the generations to come you're the hope no listen to me today that's nonsense the hope is in the wisdom of who the church holds today now let me ask you are you willing to give that away the only way the next generation can be the hope if 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 those who have gone before are willing to hand it off and give it you've lived some life good for you you've got some arthritis good for you you're having to hold the papers out a little bit further good for you it's okay you're not broken, and 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 we live in a culture that says, hey, you're used up by the time you're 40 or 45. Like I said, the most sought-after age for a pastor now is the age of expert from the age of 28 to 35. After 35, we don't need you. It's like the circuit riders. They were considered old, worn-out preachers by the time they were 28. It's important that we pay attention to what God intended. There is a reason throughout Scripture elders are mentioned because elders are useful, possibly the most useful tool ever. Go and walk with an elder. Learn to become an elder. Learn what it is to be wise. Learn that there's a great treasure in that. Look, you've put a lot, lot of life behind you. You have a lot to offer. You've raised your children. Perhaps they are in college or in high school and they're working at a great job. Perhaps you can share some of those experiences of how you raised them, the ups and downs. Maybe living through rough economies or careers or having sickness, faith, divorce, remarriage, church, young parents, and for some older parents in need of care, births and miscarriages, death and loss, you have endured those things. I was with a woman at the nursing home not long ago, and I sat down with her, and I just said, hey, it, it, her, they're telling me all her ailments. There's no hope for her in this life. Now I looked at her, and she seemed to have a peace, and I said, well, she seems to be doing pretty good. Uh, I said, I bet this isn't her first dirt road. Right? Some of you have been down many. Some of us have lost transmissions trying to get to school on dirt and muddy roads right and so here's what we learn: we learn that, that look we can really help someone else make it through their difficult times we can encourage them you have acquired a truckload of experience and perspective you see the problem is our culture is trying to convince us that if you're elderly if you're older then we don't need you anymore because this is the day and time of the age of the expert And that's a dangerous place to be. Let me encourage you, we need you more than ever. Look at our culture today. Is it one that you with gray hair would want to raise your children in? Maybe it's time to uncover some treasure and start speaking the truth of God into other people and handing that off because it's better to give it away than to bury it with you. Paul told Timothy, (laughs) I love this because I'm about to get on everybody right now. This really wasn't in my notes until this morning. <laughs> did you love that? Um, you didn't find that funny? I did. That's just wisdom, right? Look, uh, Paul tells Timothy, let no one look down on your youth, right? That, that you're not to be looking down on your youth. So, this is what we've done with that scripture. We've done that to defend every young preacher that's out there, every 24, 25, 30-year-old preacher that's out there. They're defending themselves. You're not supposed to look down on me. Paul told, uh-uh. I'm I'm the wise one. I'm the one that, wait a minute. No, no. Timothy walked with Paul. Let me say it this way. This isn't in my notes either, so I've got to recall this in a good way. All right, where we get it. The, The scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You could not become one without walking with one for a minimum of three years. So any type of priestly duty or something of that, you would literally apprentice yourself to someone for three years. Now what's interesting to me about this is Jesus' ministry on this earth was how long? Three years. There's a reason for that. I believe he was making a point, and through those three years, he made disciples. See, there is a time where we're to be quiet and pay attention and learn from those who are older than us. Those who are two and three steps ahead of us, we are to walk with them, pay attention, and learn. Now, let's look in Matthew chapter 25. You have your Bibles this morning. I know some of you out there saying, when's he going to get in Scripture? Because, man, it's already 10 o'clock. Well, just stay with me. There's more treasure to come, right? Matthew 25, verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. His master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master.' And he who had made, who had the two talents came forward saying, "'Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I've made two, two talents more.' His master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master.' He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. In other words, you wicked and and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, has, more will be given. And he who has an abundance, wait a second, make sure I read this, and will have an abundance but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth now i want you to see what happens here these men are given five talents or the one's given five the other's given two and they're prosperous with it so they take these talents and they give now i don't know if you saw this in the story or not there's something incredible that happens here because he tells the slothful one take yours and give it to the one who has the ten i thought the owner had the ten you see what happened in the story owner doesn't have the ten no they came and offered what they had made and somewhere in this story the owner said that's yours more will be given in abundance This is how God wants us to live our lives. He wants us to be willing to give, and and what happens is we become the receivers. It's an incredible thing here. There's a five, two, and one talent right here that are given. Three servants, three differing amounts, according to their ability. They were expected to grow to multiply their master's wealth while he was gone. So look, our lives and the outcomes, experiences, good or bad, are a trunk full of treasure. So the gift to us is gift of life. And he has given us a gift, and, and he wants us to learn what life's about. It's better to give than to receive. So the one with the five bags of gold, he, he says, hey, check it out. Here's another five, or you made five. Somewhere in the story, that's yours. a matter of fact, the slothful ones he's going to give you. He's going to give to you. Now, now think about our culture for a minute. okay that's enough (laughs) you see it's just the opposite of this we're going to take these and give to these pay attention to this stuff right don't bury it or allow it to be buried with you so here we go what happens we spend so much time though talking about the lazy servant the one that did absolutely nothing the one who dug his talent stuck it in the ground covered it up so he could just give it back to the master and the master's desire was for him to have it to do something with it it's the same thing with our lives the master's desire is for us to have it to have life and to have life in what abundance for our lives to multiply to make a difference There are people coming up behind us that are counting on us, that are watching us, that want to know from us. Yesterday, Wade asked me a question that I really, I I could halfway answer. This is what he said. He said, Dad, what's the difference between a four-stroke and a two-stroke? Because I was telling the man when I was a kid, I had a two-stroke, dude, it'd fly, like nobody's business. So he asked me the question, you know, what's the difference between two-stroke and four-stroke? I said, oh, well, you know, you mix the gas for two-stroke, and they wind up a little tighter, the RPMs run higher, da-da-da-da, All my nonsense. But then when my dad got to the house, I said, wait, go, to, go ask him. Because he'll tell you the difference between a two-stroke and a four-stroke. He'll talk about one hitting every time and one hitting every other time. And, and he'll tell you what they do in between times and all that, right? It's because they, people who are older have something to give to people who are younger, Right? So don't bury your treasure. Look, if you're getting older and you're saying, hey, culture and society and even my children don't have anything or want anything to do with me, well, just that's of the devil. (laughs) That is not of our Lord because our Lord's saying, no, now you should become to that place. You should be at that place in your life where you're becoming an elder if you're not already one. Where you're a master. Where people are going to want to apprentice and they're going to want to learn from you and they're going to ask you questions of how and why and what this looks like in your life I think so many times we bury that and we as we get older sometimes become emotionally slothful we don't want to get involved anymore we don't want to engage anymore because it is exhausting we've got to deal with that fear don't blame your lack of investment on others that's another thing the slothful servant did immediately he says I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow Did you see that? He he immediately puts the blame on the landowner. Hey, I knew you. It's your fault. And some of us have a tendency to point our finger at God or, or someone else for our misfortunes in life. And God's a big God. He can handle that. But I loved what Bobby said today. Hey, God loves me. God loves me. So many of us try to identify with our pain or we become victims of circumstances or victims of diagnosis. And we'll mess around and waste the talent in that instead of possibly show and share with others. You know, back in the day of the, of the Protestant Reformation and the great reformers that came through there for a couple hundred years, um, interesting thing about them, most of them desired to suffer before they died. Do you know why? So they could show others how to suffer and be holy we don't want that one do we they actually believed that it was a tragedy if they died early if they if something happened that took their life immediately and they didn't have an opportunity and that's the correct word to suffer and not share and show someone else how to walk through that suffering to give it away see to bury the treasure would not be the right thing to do all of us know this the hope of the world is not our youth it's 40 50 60 70 80 90 100 year olds that can give back because they understand they've walked through life my life has been impacted by these i i remember in the military uh, a man by the name of colonel steffy who i worked on his hands and he had he had uh his fingers had been crushed, and, and I took his hands and started working on it, putting them in paraffin wax and all kinds of stuff to try to work that out. And Colonel Steffi one day, he said, hey, there's something about you. I, I want you to come to my house. Now, he's the highest-ranking colonel on the post. I'm a private at the time, and he tells me, what evenings are you free? And I make up some goofy thing, you know, Tuesday evening or something, and he's like, I want you at my house. And I want you to come by, and we're going to have supper together. I want to talk to you about something. And, and I was scared to death. I mean, I had my uniform decked out. I was in BDUs, went to his house, I'll never forget it, knocked on the door, shaking. And he had me come in, and he had a Bible sitting there with a plate of food and, and tea, and the, the table was set perfectly. And on the other side, he had his set up. And he said, I'm going to start to teach you, young man, about what really matters in life. Colonel Steffi, I've never forgotten him. tried to look him up when i was putting this together so i don't know that i ever said thank you met with me several times even took me on walks and would talk to me it was awesome because when other soldiers would approach they had to salute <laughs> <laughs> i just act like they're saluting me you know and just going on kind of like this guy over here Buddy Young, who's still over at WT, at the BSM, took me under his wing and said, I'll disciple you as long as you promise me this. Every scripture I give you, you'll have memorized by next week. That The moment you don't, we will no longer meet. But I appreciated that. Dr. Richard Bells, who's pastored many of you. Kevin Deckard, one of the most humble servants of the Lord I've ever met. Paul Cypert, who continues on with gray hair and a smile, praise God. I'm just a few steps behind, but I'm behind, and I watch what he does and how he handles things. Made an impact and a difference and always will be regarded highly in my eyes. Hey, church, for some of us today, look, this may very well be an opportunity to redeem, multiply, and grow your talents. Learn to face your fears. I know you don't think your life is all that special, but for someone a step or two behind, your experience is a treasure. It's the absolute power of God that will work out in each and every one of their lives. You have something to say, so say it. Find a place to serve. Get connected in a small group. There are all kinds of places that you can show up and make a difference. Church. You're a treasure trunk. It's a lot in you. So what are you going to do with all this stuff? Are you going to bury it or are you going to be buried with it? Many are so self-focused and insecure with themselves. They think they don't have anything to offer. They think that, hey, it's time to write me off. I don't want to get involved anymore because I'm older. No, get involved. Stay involved. Jesus has a great parable in Luke chapter 15. Go read it. Because in that he says, apart from me you can do nothing. Stay attached to the vine. Right? Give it away. Don't bury it. Use it to purchase the freedom of others. Leverage it for the future of others. And you will be glad you did. All of us will be better off because you did. I'm going to end with this. With this prayer. i want to ask if you would, please stand. I told you this my, my old book. I have notes in here from when I was in the army writing notes for the youth group that I was helping with off of the post. I got a letter. My grandmother was great at writing me letters. And this letter was just a letter she wrote that's just a prayer. So I'm going to pray this over each one of us today. I want you to hear, my grandmother's been with the Lord since 2005, so 11 years now. I've kept it in this booklet. And I want you to hear her prayer. Because she still has something to say. Let's pray. Father, as we gather here this morning, help each one of us to take time to be holy. Because the world, it rushes on. Spend much time in secret, Curtis. Spend much time with Jesus. He knows our thoughts. He knows our mind, our ways. He's always ready to forgive. Lord, be with the ones that teach God's Word to each and every one of us. And may the words of our heart and mouth and the meditation from our hearts be acceptable unto Thee, O Lord, my God and my Savior. We pray for the sick and we pray for the wounded. We know, Father, that You... Cleanse the lepers, that you raise the dead, that you cast out the devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. Be with all our church members, pastor, wives, and families. Help each one of us to reach out to the needy. Thank you for healing. Eloise.